Book Two, Chapter Ten of History of Pompey the Little. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brianna Walsh. The History of Pompey the Little, or the Life and Adventures of a Lapdog, by Francis Coventry. Book Two, Chapter Ten. Our hero goes to the University of Cambridge. From the street where this fray happened, our hero was introduced to a bagnio, for the two young gentlemen, his new masters, spent their night in the delights of love, and the next morning he set out with one of them to the University of Cambridge. The young Cantab, who now took possession of him, had come up to London upon a scheme, as it is called, to treat himself with the masquerade and other diversions of the town. For being a gentleman of a lively, enterprising temper, he could not brook the dull restraints of a colleague at life, and seldom resided there above three or four days at a time. He had received the first part of his education at Westminster School, where he had acquired what is usually called a very pretty knowledge of the town. That is to say, he had been introduced at the age of thirteen into the most noted bagnios, was acquainted with the most celebrated women of pleasure, and could drink his two bottles of claret in an evening, without being disordered in his understanding. At the age of seventeen it was judged proper for him, merely out of fashion, and to be like other young gentlemen of his acquaintance, to take lodgings at a university, whither he went with a hearty contempt of the place, and a determined resolution never to receive any profit from it. He had been admitted under a tutor who knew no more of the world than if he had been bred up in a forest, and whose sour, pedantic genius was ill-qualified to cope with the vivacity and spirit of a young gentleman warm in the pursuit of pleasure, and one who required much address and very artful management, making any kind of restraint palpable and easy to him. He had been admitted in the rank of a fellow commoner, which according to the definition given by a member of the university in a court of justice, is one who sits at the same table and enjoys the conversation of the fellows. It differs from what is called the gentleman commoner at Oxford, not only in the name, but also in the greater privileges and licenses indulged to members of this order, who do not only enjoy the conversation of the fellows, but likewise a full liberty of following their own imaginations in everything. For as tutors and governors of colleges have usually pretty sagacious noses after preferment, they think it impolitic to cross the inclinations of young gentlemen, who are heirs to great estates, and from whom they expect benefices and dignities hereafter as rewards for their want of care of them, while they were under their protection. Immense it comes to pass that pupils of this rank are excused from all public exercises, and allowed to absent themselves at pleasure from the private lectures in their tutor's rooms. As often as they have made a party for hunting, or an engagement at the tennis court, or are not well recovered from their evening state bunch. And whilst a poor unhappy sop of no fortune is often expelled for the most trivial offences, or merely to humor the capricious resentment of his tutor who happens to dislike his face, young noblemen and heirs of great estates may commit any illegalities, and if they please, overturn a college with impunity. There is nothing so wild and ungovernable as a boy just broke loose from school and taking his first flight of liberty at a university. This is the case with those who have been bred up at private schools under some restraint. But as to Pompey's master, his school education had set him very forward in the world, and he came to Cambridge much riper than other people leave it. From the first moment he distinguished himself 
for his intrepid spirit and was quickly chosen captain general by his comrades in all their parties of pleasure and expeditions of jollity many pranks are recorded of his performing which made the place resound with his name for one of his exploits being attended with circumstances of very droll nature we cannot forbear retelling there was in the same college a young master of arts williams by name who had been elected into the society in preference to one of greater genius and learning because he used to make a lower bow to the fellows whenever he passed by them and was not likely to disgrace any of his seniors by the superiority of his parts the gentleman concluding now there was no further occasion of study after he had obtained a fellowship which he had long been the object of his ambition gave himself over to pursuits more agreeable to his temper and spent the chief of his time in drinking tea with barbers daughters and other young ladies of fashion in the university who there take themselves the name of missus and receive amorous gownsmen at their rules for nothing more is necessary to accomplish a young lady at cambridge than a second-hand capuchin a whitewashing gown a pair of dirty silk shoes and a long muslin ruffles in which dress they take the air and the public walks every sunday to make conquests and receive their admirers all the rest of the week at their tea-tables now williams having a great deal of dangling good nature about him was very successful in winning the affections of these academical misses and had a large acquaintance among them the three miss higginses whose mother kept the sun tavern miss polly jackson a baker's daughter the celebrated fanny hill sole heiress of a tailor and miss jenny of the coffee-house were all great admirers of our college gallant and fame reported that he had admission to some of their bedchambers as well as their tea-tables Upon this presumption, our young fellow commoner laid his head together with other young gentlemen his comrades to play a trick, which we now proceed to disclose. About this time, a bedmaker of the college was unfortunately brought to bed, without having any husband to father the child, and as our master of arts was suspected, among others, to have had a share in the generation of the newborn infant, being a gentleman of an amorous nature, it occurred to our fellow commoner to make the following experiment upon him. As Mr. Williams was coming out of his chamber one morning early to go to chapel, he found a basket standing at his door on the top of the staircase, with a direction to himself and a letter tied to the handle of the basket. He stood some little time guessing from whom such a gift should come, but as he had expected a parcel from London by the coach for a week before, he naturally concluded this to be the same and that it had been brought by a porter from the inn and left at his door before he was awake in the morning at this thought he opened the letter and read to the following effect honourable sir i am surprised should use me in such a manner have never seen one farthing of your money since it was brought to bed which is a shame and a wicked sin wherefore have sent you your own pastor to provide for and am your dutiful servant to command till death betty trollope the astonishment which seized our master of arts at the perusal of his letter may easily be imagined but not so easily described he turned pale staggered and looked like banquillo's ghost in the play but as his conscience excused him from the crime and his charge he resolved as soon as his confusion would suffer him to resolve 
to make a public example of the wretch had dared to lay her iniquities at his door to this end as soon as chapel was over he desired the master of the college to convene all the fellows in the common room for he said he had an affair of great consequence to lay before them when the reverend divin was met according to his desire he produced the basket and with an audible voice read the letter which had been annexed to it after which he made a long oration on the unparalleled impudence of the harlot and attempted to scandalize him in this audacious manner he concluded with desiring the most exemplary punishment might be inflicted on her for he said unless they discouraged such a piece of villainy with proper severity it might hereafter be their own lots if they were remiss in punishing the present offender they all heard him with great astonishment and many of them seemed to rejoice inwardly that the basket had not travelled to their doors as thinking perhaps it would have been unfatherly and unnatural to have refused it admittance at length it was ordered to be unpacked which was performed by the butler of the college in presence of the whole fraternity when lo instead of a child pulling and crying for its father out leapt pompey the little hero of this little history who had been enclosed in the oisier confinement by his young master and conveyed very early in the morning to mr william's chamber door the grave assembly were astonished and enraged at the discovery finding themselves convened only to be ridiculed and all of them gazed on our hero with the same kind of aspect as did the daughters of Cecrops on the deformed erichthonius when their curiosity tempted them to peep into the basket which minerva had put into their hands with positive commands to the contrary End of Book 2, Chapter 10 Recording by Brianna Walsh, Malden, Massachusetts